Today I'm going to continue what Mark started last week, which was uh, talking about prophecies in Matthew. So I'm going to start a series called uh, Insights from the Gospels. And I'm going to start with these uh, couple of prophetic passages in Matthew. Last, last week, Mark talked about the seven prophecies in Matthew chapter 1 that talked about the coming of Jesus and how Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. Today, I'm going to skip over to Matthew 24. And I'm going to talk about three prophetic questions that Jesus answers. In Matthew 24, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So we have these three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Three pretty good questions, don't you think? So just to give you a picture of what's happening here, the Mount of Olives is about a, I don't know, 400-foot ridge on the east side of Jerusalem. Kidron Valley's in front. When you see a a picture of the Dome of the Rock and the Temple Mount, you're, you're seeing the picture almost always from the Mount of Olives. So it takes maybe 20 minutes to walk from the top of the Mount of Olives down to Cal- where Calvary was, where Golgotha was. So it's, it's right there, but it's a really nice rise, a really nice ridge. And they're sitting there, and the disciples want to know these three questions. When will the... Um, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So first, I think we need to, before we get to Jesus' answer to the questions, we need to see what prompted this question. So let's, let's wind back, or these three questions, let's wind back to 23, verse 29, and see what's happening immediately before this. So 23, 29, Jesus speaking, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. So who's he speaking to? Yeah, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and then say, if we had lived in the day of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. So what are they doing? Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have done this. So they build a prophet to Jeremiah, I mean a monument to Jeremiah and say, oh, we would have listened to, to Jeremiah. Do you see the point? Um, Therefore, verse 31, you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Now, let me stop there and uh, just tell you about this hell word. This is the word Gehenna. So they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, or they're in the temple, sorry, in this particular case, in the temple area. And uh, the, Jerusalem is, is like on a, ri- a V-shaped ridge, and the eastern valley is the Kidron Valley. So you've got the Kidron Valley, and just on the east side of the Kidron Valley is the Mount of Olives, which is a ridge. And on the western side of uh, Jerusalem is the Hinnom Valley, the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom, or Gehenna. It's shortened to Gehenna. So when he says, um, 
how can you escape the condemnation of Gehenna? I'm going to suggest to you this has a very uh, distinct picture that these listeners would have. So let me let me flip over to uh, Jeremiah. Last time we were in Jerusalem, I I got the guide to let me have 20 minutes, and I went over to uh, and I took our little crew down. There were six of us. I took took our little crew down. Je- look at Jeremiah 19. Turn turn to Jeremiah 19 while I'm t- telling you this little story. And I took I took them down into Gehenna, and gave them this little talk about Gehenna. And I said, you know, this is one of the, my bucket list things: is to go to hell and talk about it. <laughs> Tell everybody what this is. So I was I've been there. I've been there and I've talked. Okay, so verse 19 of Jeremiah, you know, now we're all the way back in the exile period, and Jeremiah's predicting this catastrophe that's about to come on Jerusalem, which is Babylonian, Babylonian invasion, and they're going to sack the city, and horrible things are going to happen, okay? So here's what he says, Thus says the Lord, Go get a potter's earthen flask, take some of the elders of the people, some of the elders of the priests, and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, Gehenna which is by the entry of the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words I'll tell you, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. Because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place. They burn incense to their gods whom neither they, their fathers, and the kings of Judah have known and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Child, child sacrifice. They've also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak or even come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no, be, no longer be called Tophet, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And then he goes on to describe that there's going to be so many people that die that they're not going to be able to bury them all and they're just going to pile them up in this valley of Hinnom. Because this was, as every ancient city had, this was the combination uh, sewage treatment plant, landfill, and uh, general refuse heap. Because it's the downwind place. So you take all the, all the dead stuff. There will be, always be fire smoldering out there to burn the dead stuff away. Uh, there's sewage and mess. You get the picture? Okay, this is Gehenna. It's not the dung gate was on this side where you would take the dung out of the city and put it down in the in the valley. Okay, so now this whole valley is going to be full of dead people. So there's smoldering fire and worms. You get this. You, you get this picture. Okay, is that the physical picture of a spiritual place. Um, I, in this particular case, I, I don't think it. I don't think he's really talking about a spiritual place because what is he what is he going to be talking about what's about to happen well it's going to be the same thing that happened in babylon okay so how can you escape we'll see it in a minute here how can you escape go back to matthew 23 how can you escape the condemnation of gehenna and the in this particular instance i think he's going to be talking about the condemnation of gehenna is dead people in the valley because within this generation, you're going to have the same thing happen again. And according to Josephus, a million people were killed. Which is a lot of dead people. Okay? Alright, so then, um, that's verse 33. 
And then he goes on, Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So what is he predicting upon these scribes and Pharisees who are being hypocrites, saying we would have listened to the prophets when they, in fact, are going to be persecuting the prophets? What is he predicting is about to happen? The Roman sack of Jerusalem plus what? Who, who's, who particular prophet's going to be scourged and killed? <laughs> him, right? He's predicting his own death. Plus, those who follow him, the disciples sitting around and all these people, they're going to be persecuted too. Uh, you know, Eleven of them were martyred and one died in exile. So, uh, and, and a lot of that at the hands of the Jewish leaders. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So in this particular case, he's saying, in this generation, it's going to happen. And in fact, it did. Uh, 70 A.D. is when this took place. And we're at something like 33 A.D. here. So we're looking at within this generation, this happens. And then he turns and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You know, Jeremiah, of that first instance where you have the valley fill up with dead people, and I think some estimates a half a million people died in that one. Uh, Jeremiah says, uh, of that event and of the exile, I know I have things that good in mind for you. Things of prosperity and not of disaster. What is that, Jeremiah 29.11? I know that's what he said about that. I want good things for you, but you just won't listen. It's kind of like your child, you know. Your child has to be willing. Unless you're going to keep them in a prison cell, in which case they're never going to grow up, they have to be willing. If they won't listen to you and won't choose good, make good choices, they're going to suffer catastrophe. And there's really, you can sit and watch and you can pray for them, but they're just going to have to learn for themselves, right? And this is this amazing thing that God's given us, this free will to do stupid things. It's really spectacular. You weren't willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So you can think these... these uh, these uh, Jews, are, these uh, disciples are sitting there. And he's predicting this catastrophe, the condemnation of Gehenna, which I'm, I, I, I'm speculating they would have been hearing that that uh, Jeremiah verse. There, all this massive persecution that's going to come upon them, uh, that, and that he's going to go away and not be seen again for until they say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." And they're sitting there thinking, "Well, what in the world is going on?" So. Then we go, chapter 24, verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. <coughs> and it's just, there's plenty of chairs all in here, you guys. There's some whole... See, so you've got, you got these guys blocking at it at the end. Just, just push them out of the way. <laughs> so then he gets to 24, verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So he's in the temple to saying all this, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now this second temple was really something else. I mean, we've seen models of the thing. Um, it's, uh, you really can't even describe it. It was, it was unbelievable. It was spectacular. You know, you, 
there, there was one stone that they've done some ex- excavation, and there's actually one stone that they found. Uh, it's below current ground level. What was that thing? It's like sixty. I think it's five hundred tons. Five hundred tons. It's like sixty yards long and and. Uh, or 60 feet long, 15 feet wide. They said there's no modern equipment that can even pick the thing up. It's, uh, and that was just one stone. This thing was gigantic. It was immense. It was, it was a modern, it was a spectacle. And so, you know, for good reason, the disciples saying, wow, look at this, wow, look at that. And Jesus says, you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left up on another that shall not be thrown down. So you're a disciple and you've heard Gehenna, and persecution, and the temple's thrown down, this spectacle. What would you want to know? (laughs) What would you want to know? So now, verse 3, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So now they're not, they're not with a group. And they, they did this fairly often. And usually they'd say, explain this. Explain that. Who's this talking about? Okay, and so he come, they come in private and says, tell us, when will these things be? Question number one. So what's question number one? When? Okay, question number two. What will be the sign? Okay. How will we know? What will be the sign? Question number three. Uh, and when's the end of the age? So these three questions. Now Jesus is going to answer the three questions. He's going to answer them in inverse order, as you normally do. If you'll, if you'll pay attention, you ask someone two questions, they'll answer the second one and forget the first one. Jesus being Jesus, he actually remembers all three, and he answers them in inverse order. Okay? What's that? Yeah, well, okay. Tell them two things? Yeah, no, never two. Don't ever put two things in an email. People will just, you know, they'll just see one. Okay, uh... Unless they're a lawyer. If somebody's paid by the hour, a lot of times they'll <laughs> spend the time to... Yeah. So, uh, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Okay, so which questions he answering? The end of the age. When's the end of the age? What end are we talking about? What end? This world before the. Yeah, that's what we think. But he just says the end of the age, whatever that is, the end of the age. They at this particular time. I don't necessarily know that Jesus is going away. Well, actually, they don't understand that. He's going to go away and there's this whole church age and stuff. But the end of the age. When is the end of the age going to happen? So he says, well, a lot of people are going to come and say, and I'm the Christ. Now, what's he, what's he foreshadowing here? What would have to happen for a lot of people to come and say, I'm the Christ? Who's the Christ? Yeah. Him. Who's, and he's right there, right? So he says a lot of people are going to come say, I'm the Christ. What's, what's, what's he predicting is about to happen? He, he's going away. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to be here for a while. Okay, a bunch of people are going to say, I'm the Christ. Don't be troubled. This has to happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes, it's very, various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So what has to happen before the end of the age? A lot of sorrows. 
which they actually suffered in 70 AD it was a type of it. Yeah, it was a type of it. That's right. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Remember, he talked about that in the thing with the interaction with the scribes and Pharisees. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of the many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. End of what? The age. Yeah, we're still, ta- we're still answering the question, when will the end of the age? So what do you need to be saved from? What, what do you need to be saved from? Well, what does it say anything about dying? Sorrows. Sorrows, that's reasonable. Because it says you've got sorrows, tribulation. Will you, be tribu- will you be delivered from tribulation? No, you're going to have tribulation. Like, just like the children of Israel were protected from the plagues in Egypt, it's prophesied in Revelation that the people then will be protected by the name of God on the foreheads from the plagues. Okay, protected. Well, are they going to be protected because they don't go through them? No, they'll go through them. They won't harm them. Okay, might not harm them. Here's, here's what I would suggest to you. He says in verse 12, the love of many will grow cold. Why will the love of many grow cold? Who loves? The world or the believers? It's the believers who do the love, right? And why will the love grow cold? Look at verse 12. Why does, it grow, why does the love grow cold? Because of lawlessness. Love grows cold because of lawlessness. When, pe- when things happen to you that are clearly illegal and unethical, and uh, because of that uh, you suffer persecution wrongly, is it easy to just keep right on loving? That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? And if, we, and if we stop loving, a lot of bad things happen. Mostly to us. Because usually you start hating. So what I'm going to suggest to you is that if you endure and keep on loving to the end, you won't lose that and all the rewards that go with it. Because we're talking about the end of the age. And we're talking about kingdom rising in kingdom and pestilence and tribulation and hate. Well, how, how, do you, how do you resist all that? Love. Keep on loving. But the end's not yet. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and all the world is a witness to all the nation and then the end will come. So when's the end of the world going to come? Or the end of the age, sorry. When is the end of the age going to come? All that stuff, which is what? Pestilence, wars, nation riding against nation, hate, lawlessness. And then the gospel's preached all the way. Now, this real interesting to me, this gospel preached all the way is used a lot. But let's look at Revelation 14.6. I'm going to show you how we know for sure the gospel will be preached to all the world. Uh, there'll be a lot of other things that happen too, and I think any effort to go and preach the gospel in the world is worth is worth supporting. But we don't have to worry about this being up to us, and we don't. And there is no thing that says, "Well, I, I can sit back and wait because there's some, um, you know, there's some ling- language groups that hadn't heard yet, so it's not going to happen. I'm safe." 
Okay, you, that, that's not there. Let me show you why. Revelation 14.6 Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Okay, have you ever seen the uh, old movies of the truck going through town with the loudspeakers on top? There's going to be an angel with one of those trucks flying up in heaven. Okay, So at a minimum, this is where the whole world's going to hear the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is more than just a new birth conversion. That's just the beginning. It's living and worshiping the creator of the universe, which is the emphasis of the scripture. Okay, so we got three questions. The first question is, when will these things be? 24-3. When will these things be? The second question is what the sign. The third question is the end of the age. He answered the, first, the third question first. When's the end of the age? And he says, all room, wars, rumor, war, nation against it? Not yet. Uh, you're going to have drivel up to tribulation, be hated, lawlessness. If you endure to the end, you won't lose your love. But not yet. But then when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, and then... Then the end will come. So we got the first question. Now he's going to answer the second question. He's going in reverse order. And the second question is, well, what's the sign? Verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, he who, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant in those days, nursing babies in those days, and pray your flight may not be in the winter on the Sabbath, for then there will be such a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, don't believe it. So we're talking about signs now, right? So the first sign is the abomination of desolation that's in the temple. And he says, when you see that, run. And the second sign he talks about is uh, the sign of the return of the Christ. Verse 23, if anyone says, look, there's the Christ, don't believe it. He'll tell you why in a minute. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. Okay, so there's going to be lots of signs and wonders. Don't believe them. Why? Um, if, if possible, they'll deceive even the elect. Verse 25, see, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, don't go out there. Look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. Why? Verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the, com- coming of the Son of Man. Okay? When Jesus comes back, no one will have to tell you. Why will no one have to tell you? Everybody will know. <laughs> you, you're not going to have to guess whether I came back or not. Where the, where the dead things are, the eagles gather. Okay? You have something dead, the eagles are going to come. You're gonna, if you see eagles, what do you know? Or you see buzzards. Something's dead. Always, right? You see this, you're going to know. Whatever, when, when, when I come back, everybody's going to know. No guessing needed. 
take this as Christians, you know, and I agree with it in that we are grafted into Israel, but it says those in Judah and on the Sabbath, and it's making all these things. So um, who's hated of all nations right now, even for his namesake? You know, every nation in the UN condemns Israel on a daily basis, out, um, just overwhelmingly, and uh, they are hated by all nations. Well, yeah, and that brings up a good point, is that uh, after 70 AD, there is no more Israel. 70 AD comes in, they blast Jerusalem, and Israel really disappears off the face of the earth. In fact, the emperor Hadrian was so ticked at Israel that he just wanted to wipe out the whole name. So he renamed it. He renamed it Palestine. That was the emperor Hadrian. There is no such thing as Palestinian people. It was a name that was given to... And the reason he named it Palestine is because he wanted to find the most odious name to Jews he could think of. And so he, Palestine is just a, a Latin transliteration of uh, Philistine. So it's like, okay, who's their worst enemies of all time? The Philistines? We'll name it Philistia. That's Palestine. And it pretty well stood as Palestine until 1948. And the nation was reconstituted. And we're now seeing the building uh, toward the second fulfillment of all this stuff that's going on. Because we saw one fulfillment already, which is 70 AD. Uh, and we're, there's another one coming. Okay, uh, That's a good point. Okay, so the signs, what will be the sign? Well, the sign, there's two things. You're going to have the abomination of desolation, and then I'm going to come back, everybody's going to know. Let's keep on going with the signs. Um, So that's the signs of the end. Now we're going to have some signs of the coming, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet, and they will gather together the elect from the four winds from one end to the other. That's the signs of his coming. And then we've got some more signs which is the sign of when all this is going to happen. Now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branches already become tender, tender, puts forth leaves, you know the summer's near. So also when you see all these things, know it's near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till these things take place. Now, you had two instances of this generation in this passage. One is, he tells the scribes and Pharisees, this generation, you're going to see this happen. And they did. This this one, this generation, he's not talking to the scribes and Pharisees or the, or the apostles. If he was, we would have had to have the abomination of desolation and Jesus come back and all those things already happened. Uh, and in fact, there's a whole uh, um, branch of theology that teaches that happened spiritually, that Jesus did come back spiritually and all this stuff has been fulfilled through the church. And in large part, that led to... Uh, in my opinion, that led to the whole idea of the church having armies and kings and forced conversions and all that kind of stuff because there was an understanding that you have Christian kings divinely ruling, appointed by God, and they're going to make the earth uh, righteous and, and moral. Yeah, they, they, the, the, thousand, you know, the Holy Roman Empire was a, a, an attempt to bring all this into place. It lasted about a thousand years. And this whole idea of a thousand-year reign is all through uh, history. You know, Hitler 
wanted to bring in a thousand-year reign of the Aryan race, the, the Third Reich. Okay, so, uh, so I, I think what we're talking about here, the generation that this is that sees these things, is going to be the generation where this stuff happens. So, um, the signs are important to see. Okay, because when when you see the signs, it's going to take place. However, the third question was what, or the first question that he's going to answer last, when. So now, let's look at verse 36, and he's going to answer the when question, because he's told us you've got the signs, you've got three kinds of signs. You've got the signs of his, of his coming, you've got the signs of his, um, uh, sorry, the signs of the end, the signs of the coming, and you've got the signs of the, of the end of the age. But now he's going to tell us the actual when, and he says this, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So, we can see the age, and we can see, okay, there's things in place here, but we're just not going to know when. So the answer to the first question is, when is all this going to happen? The answer is what? I'm not telling. Okay? But he's going to answer a lot more about that, even though he's not going to tell us when. There's still a lot of application to go. Okay, the second question, uh, which is, um, what, what's going to be the sign? What are the signs? What is it? Uh, okay. Say again. Pestilence. Okay. Well, the the pestilence is going to happen. That's what he's talking about. But the specific signs. Let's just go back and look at it real quick. Um, so say again. Okay. The sun is darkening the moon. The sun. Say that. That's when the end. That's when the end of the signs of the end of the age, um, and and of his coming, and then the sign that we're in this. You know, period starts with the abomination of desolation. That's the very first sign he talks about. Now, what is the abomination of desolation? What is that? Does anybody know where that comes from? Sacrifice pig. Okay, very good. Let's go look at the abomination of desolation. And the the, uh, prediction is in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. So go with me to Daniel chapter 9. And you say that the Dome of the Rock is a type of... Because it sits on the holy place. You know. is, a, is a type of... Yeah, uh-huh. So there was a, an actual historical event that happened in Daniel chapter 9. And you know, from last week, you know that mo- these prophecies in general have two fulfillments. Like the, the sign of the virgin had an immediate fulfillment where Isaiah married a girl and she had a baby and within two years... Um, whatever the king's name was, uh, was saved from uh, Assyria or whatever the prophecy was. And then that's also applied to Mary having the Savior, uh, what would it be, 700 years later. Okay, so most of these prophecies have, have double fulfillments. Well, so we have in chapter 9, verse 27, we've got, this is during the 70 weeks prophecy. And we have 69 weeks, and then there's a cutoff and a space, and the 70th week is, is yet to come. And that's the week that's still in the future for us. 
And during that time, it says, Then he, he's talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. This is seven years. This is the 70th week that's yet in our future. But in the middle of the week, so there's three and a half years that have gone by, and then in the middle of the week, three and a half years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate. So the presumption is here that we have a type... And, of course, the Scripture isn't always real um, uh, tidy about doing things the way you would have expect, would have expected. So, as I, as I went over when we did the prophecy thing, let's not get hung up on the mechanics of how it's going to happen. Let's make sure we take the main lesson from this stuff. So... Uh, he, he, but but on, it says he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So we have to presume here that there's been a reinstatement of the temple and sacrifice and offering is happening again. Now, a lot of stuff has to take place for that to, to be true uh, because we still have right now the Temple Mount with a, an Islamic building on top of that and the Jews' current perspective is they can only sacrifice on that one space but it's a lot of speculation about how this is going to happen but what's not a speculation is that the Jews are currently preparing for this time you can go to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem and you can see the uh, the reconstituted garments for the priestly service and the um, and the musical instruments, and the uh, menorahs, and the and the um, laver that they've built, they're making the stuff to reinstitute sacrifice right now, and and this is all taking place for this. Well, this somewhere in the middle of this week, this antichrist is going to come in and do this. If you go to Second Thessalonians two, Paul talks about this. In First Set Thessalonians, the Thessalonians are concerned about the uh, question of. Uh, Jesus coming back what's going to happen and he answers that and then in the second Thessalonians they are concerned apparently at least it's what it seems like to me that Jesus has come back and they missed it and so Paul is answering the don't worry about it you haven't missed it and in chapter 2 yeah mainly the rapture they were they're afraid they missed the rapture right uh, the first, the first Thessalonians. What they're concerned about is that people died before Jesus came back. And so, what happens to them? Did they miss the kingdom? And he's like, no, no, no. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then the rapture will come, and so forth. And when the rapture comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. They didn't miss anything. Don't worry. And so, the next time is is that well, Jesus already came back, and we missed it. And so, here's what he says. He says, uh... oh, I'm in the wrong one here. Uh, let's start with one. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 2, verse 1, and our gathering together to him, we ask you not soon to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Don't be, don't be worried about losing, that you, you miss the rapture. Why? Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So in this particular case, I don't think he's actually talking about the rapture. He's talking about the second coming. And the, and the, uh, and the man of sin has to come first. Now, of course, there's a, a controversy about that because some people think the rapture happens after the, you know, in between the... Uh, the um, uh, you know, in the back half of the tribulation period. So, 
But anyway, there is, there is, what's clear is that day will not come unless the falling away and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Which is the same thing that Jesus is talking about. There's this sign. So if you think about it, in our time, are we in the fig tree time? Are we in the time where you say, look at this? Well, I can't say for sure we are, but I can say this. Uh, until 1948, there was no possibility of most of this happening because it was not even a Jewish nation. During that time period, most of these prophecies got spiritualized and allegorized. And you, know, you can understand why that would happen because people want to look at something and say, here's how this could take place with what we know today. That's human nature. But what we know now is the Jewish nation's been reconstituted miraculously and it's there. And all this stuff that Jesus is talking about, every bit of it could happen, which is kind of exciting. Daniel gives another sign that's not mentioned, and that's that knowledge will exponentially increase in the last days. And this is the only time that, that can be said of So far. Yeah. So far, yeah. Okay, so then let's go on and say, well, so, so what? The verse that talks about him sitting on the throne. That was verse 4 in Second Thessalonians. Him sitting on the throne. Yeah. Okay. I did not. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew 24 and um, sprint to the finish here. All right, so of that day and hour, no one knows. So what else are you going to tell us about the when part? That's the part, really, we're most interested in. And really, when? When is that? Well, but as in the days of Noah were, so will the son of coming of man. What was that like? Verse 38. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. So what's the point here? What happened right up until the time Noah entered the ark? It was unexpected. Yeah, yeah, life happens. Is, it, is anybody... They're all just living life normally. just like, And all of a sudden, the door shuts and the rain starts. And it's too late. Okay? That, that's the point he's saying here. When? I'm not going to tell you when, but I am going to tell you. The main point, the main point here is, be ready. The answer to when is really any time. Any time. Verse 39. Then they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will the son, coming of the Son of Man be. Now, coming of the Son of Man, I think I'll have two prophecies, two fulfillments. And one will be the rapture, and the other will be when he returns and you know, splits the Mount of Olives. So I, I think we're going to have a double fulfillment there. And we want to be prepared for that. And so you live every day to be prepared. Verse 40, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Now this is kind of interesting because if you look at the flood, uh, it says the flood came and took them all away. So if you just look at that reading, you would say, well, the ones that are taken away are the wicked ones. And there are some people that think that this is like the parable of the tares. In the parable of the tares, the first ones harvested are the tares and thrown into the, into the fire. And it could be that this is talking about this. This may be how all Israel saved. However, if you look at the youngs, which is, if you're not a Greek guy, like I'm not a Greek guy, this is really a great uh, source because he's very honest about just word for word. It kind of reads like Yoda, you know, because uh, he, he doesn't rearrange the words or anything. But when he, when he looks at this, he, he looks at uh, t- uh, word, it says, well, let's see. 
He used the words received. He, he translates this received as opposed to taken away. That two, the, these, the two men will be, one will be received and the other left. And I think that's probably a better... So if we, if we look at that, instead of taken away, they're received, then I would take that as received into the ark. So those guys got to go in the ark and the other ones didn't. So they're preserved. And that would be more like the ones that were uh, raptured out. Now, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allow the house to be broken into. Right? So when, when, he, when should you lock your doors? Only on nights that the robber's coming, right? Because they let you know ahead of time? You get the point. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. But that evil servant... Now see, see we're, still, we're still talking about servant. And a servant is someone who's in the household, right? So we're talking about believers here of the household. And servants have two choices. You can be faithful or you can be unfaithful while the master's away. So choice one is you're faithful and the master comes back and says, awesome job while I was gone. I'm going to make you ruler over way more than these little things. Choice number two is to be wicked. And say in your heart, my master's delaying his coming. Oh boy. And he starts to beat his fellow servants, lording it over them, taking advantage, and eating and drinking with the drunkards. So he's squandering his master's possessions. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him in an hour he's not aware of, will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. He'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a very controversial verse. Because all of a sudden we're believers and then a son of people getting cut in half. Well, I, I don't actually think cut in half is a good translation. The Greek word here is, help me Brandon, dichotomeo. Is that close enough? Dichotomeo, we get our English word dichotomy from that. What's a dichotomy? Well, it could be this, could be this. You know, I'm, 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 I'm divided. So dichotomeo means half, divided. And I... And I so just think about this just think about uh, you, I'm going to cut this guy in half and then appoint him with the hypocrites so it, well, it could be this is like Monty Python and you say well, what half do you want us to put him in the, in the seat side you want to put the right you want to cut him this way and put one leg on one stool and the other leg on the other stool so he could be with the hypocrites or, or in half so he's the top half here and the bottom half is over here so that it's the best I can do. So if you're going to cut somebody in half, you're not then going to appoint him and say, and then go put him over here with this group, right? I think what he's saying is he's going to divide him out and say, you can't be here, you've got to be over there. And where you're going to be is with the hypocrites. Now, the hypocrites, are they going to be the ones in the favored place? You see the point here? I think the point here is, I come back and you're not faithful. It's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. Look at Luke real quick. We can look at the Luke passage here. Luke 12, 41. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 41. This is the same basic thing. Therefore, you be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour. You do not expect the same, same uh, uh, you know, episode, that, that Luke's version of it. And Luke has this little question in here that Peter asks. And Peter says to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? Is this just for us or everyone? And it's interesting because, I mean, this would, if it just applies to the disciples, we can relax then, right? But look how he answers. The Lord says, Who then is that faithful and wise steward who his master will make ruler over his household to give them the portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and an hour he's not aware and will cut him in two, dichotomeo, point with his portion with unbelievers, and that servant who knew, unfaithful would be better translation there, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to the will shall be be beaten with many stripes. Now, do you beat people after you cut them in half? Now, you go cut that half and you go beat that half. You don't really do that. You see, so we're talking here about cutting someone off from their from their uh, what what they wanted to have and putting them in a position where it's not not fun, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving a stripe shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. To whom much has been committed, will ask the more. So who's he talking to? Is he talking to the disciples or is he talking to everybody? Yeah, I think he's talking to anyone who wants to be faithful. And, and it's specifically the ones who have more knowledge have more accountability. There's going to be a lot of people that probably kind of get away with most of the stuff they did. Because they didn't know any better. So, sorry. We all know a lot. <laughs> the good news is we know a lot. The bad news is we know a lot. And this is talking to people. Us. And it's talking about, are we ready? And he's saying here, the consequences of whether we're ready or not are really enormous. Quite enormous. I'll end with this. Uh, There's three views of the rapture. One is there isn't one. One is there is one. and And it's for all people who have been born again. And the other is there is one and it's for the faithful. Okay, and this the last one very few people hold. But I'm, I'm going to use that last one as kind of a way to, to uh, provoke you. Okay? Because when, if I were to say, if I, let's say I show you the verses and say, and I make the point that it's the last one, it's the, the only the people who get raptured are the people who were faithful. What do, you, what do you automatically say in your heart? You're saying it to yourself right now. What do you automatically say? Yeah, what's that? That would be me. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's that's good. That's good. All right. That's good. That's good. Standard. Huh? I was going to say, what's the standard? So it's key. Yeah, okay. What's the standard? So we now we know what the standard is. We automatically say, how can I know? Yeah. Well, that's good. One thing is, well, how can I know? Major is. Uh, I'm not sure who else is, but I know. But I know it's me. Or, or we'll say, I know it's me because, and then I have a list of rules I can just self-justify. Right? We tend to go to that. Also, people who would beat their breast and, and yearn to be more faithful in, in all that they do. Very good. 
Very good. And I think the more typical response, that I, at least when I've talked to people, because it's fun to provoke people, is to say, no, it, it can't be that. It can't, that can't be the interpretation. Why? Well, because God would never let someone go through really bad stuff like that, if they're real, like the tribulation, if they're really his people. Okay? Now, what does that tell you people think about getting cut in half and thrown out into with the hypocrites? It's not that bad of a deal, right? Because at least I'm in heaven. And you've heard that, well, I'd be in a janitor in heaven, I'd be fine. What they're saying is, I don't really have feel any particular accountability for how I live my life. And, and I could make an argument that the, by far the better thing would be to miss the rapture, go through the tribulation, as horrific as that will be, and I hope that doesn't happen to anybody, right? But I could make an argument that would be better and, and, and then have your head cut off and then go and hear well done and be appointed with the faithful and, and get to rule over the household than to go and miss that. So, I don't, the whole rapture thing, I, what did he say to start with? I'm not telling you exactly how this works, right? He said that real plainly. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how it works. You know what I know? We need to be ready every day because it matters a lot. And any kind of thing that we do to kind of work around and say, well, it doesn't really matter and here's why and there's a special exception for me, how am I, it's just self-rationalizing. Because it matters a lot. Okay, when's it going to happen? I don't know. Be ready. Thanks, God, for this amazing passage you gave us. Help us be ready. And be in season and out of season. Be ready to say, so if you come back, you can hear well done. We know a lot, Lord, so we have a lot of accountability. So help us just really step up our game of faithfulness so that we can not grow tired of loving, and not not to be uh, pressed down by unlawlessness, which is continuing to increase in our in our very age, but we just really stand and love and are ready and are uh, faithful in serving one another and and taking the resources we have and using them as you direct us to and serving one another, because we know God that you're in control and that you already have the end of the age well in hand. In Jesus' name, Amen.